Hi guys, KO here. Welcome to Turmeric and Tequila, where we are working to inspire positive, radical social evolution. I'm excited today. As always, we have Tiffany Barnes coming to the TNT mic, and she is the founder of the Speak Loud podcast, focusing on abuse, trauma, and overcoming. She is deeply successful in real estate and a multitude of other things in life. This was uh, an impromptu conversation. The opportunity just came up, and it's an amazing one. We jump right into the deep, as we do on Turmeric and Tequila, and there is a ton of of gold to mine from this conversation. So enjoy. Tiffany, you are a true inspiration. Thank you so much for sharing your good words. Be sure to check us out on YouTube. The videos are all up. All feedback welcome. We are loving it. Video and audio. Here we go. Welcome to Turmeric and Tequila with your host, Kristen Olson. Questioning a better way, one gracefully disruptive conversation at a time. Welcome to Turmeric and Tequila. We are at PodMax Interview 2. I'm excited. We just had a switch of guests, so we're just rolling with uh, the universe and serendipity. I'm welcoming Tiffany Barnes to the Turmeric and Tequila mic. Tiffany, welcome. Thank you for having me. I love that it's impromptu, and I can't wait to hear what we get into. I know. Well, let's just start with our very casual intro. Give me the quick four and one on Tiffany. And Tiffany is a fellow podcaster, so we're just going to roll the dice here. But give us, uh, like I said, the quick four and one on you. So let's see the elevator pitch version. I am 38 years old. I live in Salt Lake City, Utah. I am passionate about real estate. It's done some amazing things for me and my family. That's my day job. You can probably hear my dog Max barking in the background. Sorry about that. I don't know what he's barking at, but uh, also I have a little side thing I do, which you mentioned is a podcast called Speak Loud. And I interview people who want to speak loud about abuse and trauma that they've been through because it's an epidemic in this world. And uh, just sharing their stories of being badass and uh, overcoming and not focusing on the trauma itself, but how we can overcome it because we can dwell in the shit. Hopefully I can say shit on this podcast. Uh, Turmeric and tequila, you go with it. Okay, perfect. So you can dwell in the shit or you can rise above it and like I say, be a badass and shine your light. So that's the elevator pitch. Boom. Well, I already know what we're going to talk about. <laughs> not dwelling in the shit. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, we've got a ton in common. So this is this is serendipitous. It's beautiful. I've got dogs. Uh, we, we just talked about our studio <laughs> podcast that yeah. with humble beginnings. <laughs> we're up and coming. Uh, and I'm here for all things mental health and wellness and unpacking all of the trauma because at any point, every every human has gone through trauma in some capacity. And it's how we deal with that. And we are not given these life skills as we grow up or provided them, you know, I was, I have wanted and have petitioned to get a curriculum for our young humans, these life skills. And this is why I love sports because you can learn so many life skills through sports, but unpacking trauma and teamwork and confidence and learning how to cook healthy and all again, life skills stuff. I think that should happen at a very early age, but let's lean into this conversation around trauma. And I love that your podcast is called speak out. Speak loud or speak loud. I'm sorry. Speak loud because there is this beautiful through line as humans that the more we are vulnerable and share our story, we can connect. We need that. We need that more than ever in 2021. Um, and, and understand one another, regardless if we look different or from different spaces or socioeconomic status or gender or whatever. Uh, there's these beautiful commonalities that, that we have and, Tell me more about uh, the podcast, why you were inspired to to start it and um, how it how it's 
helped you along the way, I'm assuming with some of your own personal traumas. Absolutely. Thank you for asking. So I started a nonprofit when I was in high school back in 1998. I was the second case in the state of Utah to be a legally emancipated minor. So like I was my own guardian at 15 years old. I paid $500 a month rent uh, all throughout high school. I worked three jobs my senior year. And I just I didn't let my circumstance define me. One thing that I find is people that have been through trauma, specifically abuse, they tend to use that oftentimes as a crutch rather than a stepping stone to the future. You know, this happened to me, so it it validates me to be on drugs or get pregnant as a teenager. You know, the list goes on and on. And so I really made it a point to be everything my parents were not. You know, my parents were my mom, specifically a drug addict. They dropped out of high school because they were pregnant with me and, you know, didn't pay their bills and things like that. And so when I became emancipated, which again was a big feat, you know, to to be just the second person at that time at 15 years old, I decided that I was going to really defy the odds in the sense that I wasn't going to repeat the cycle and I was going to show people that they could rise above it. And as a result, I started a, a nonprofit, as I mentioned, it's called SHARE, and it stands for Sharing Hope for the Abused Through Resilience and Empowerment. And I think the key words there are resilience and empowerment. You know, uh, having a resilient mindset, not just with trauma or abuse, but just anything in life, especially right now during this pandemic that we're dealing with, but then empowering each other to do the same, to be resilient and rise above our circumstances. And I was so fortunate enough uh, to be nominated to be a torchbearer in the 2002 Winter Olympics. Uh, the torch cool. is right here to my side. You can't see it. Uh, I could turn the camera, but uh, it's something that I, I really pride myself in being able to carry that torch and that flame. Mm-hmm. And uh, the theme for that Olympics was light the flame within. And one thing I, I try to do every single day is light another person's flame. You know, success, t- people tend to think of success as you know, the car you're driving or the money in your bank account or the house you live in and all these things materialistically. And what I really think success is, is what you can inspire other people to do, you know, emotionally, spiritually, financially, and feeding each other's flames, again, specifically right now in such a very trying time in the world. And so, you know, um, I've been fortunate enough to do motivational speeches on this. Uh, I'm writing a book called The Throwaway Girl. Um, for those of you who aren't familiar, people who are in, you know, foster care or end up, you know, uh, being victims of child abuse, they call them throwaway kids. And so I chose the book title, The Throwaway Girl, because I was told often growing up that my parents wish they would have had an abortion or that I was a piece of trash or they wish wow. they didn't have me. And so I felt very disposable to my parents. And so the story is about, again, turning tragedy into triumph or pain into power. And I think that's something that can resonate with anybody in any walk of life, you know, business, um, finances, spirituality, you know, the list goes on and on. And so I just really try to find my message in helping others light their flame within. Wow. Um, So much to unpack there, but I got to start right at the base. As I mean, if I don't know if you I'm close to your age, I'm 40. When I'm around 15 year olds now, I'm like, mm, okay, we're definitely 40 because I feel young. <laughs> we try, we train, we do other things, but no, that's a different reality. And right. 
but I feel so protective of our young people. That's quite literally why I started the podcast being in the branding and marketing space. I saw this, you know, filtered on Instagram and hyped, sexualized digital reality. They're consuming all the time and it's this constantly unrealistic moving target. So we had to start telling the truth. How did you, especially I had to say back in the day, I was, I graduated in 99 as a 15 year old, how did you have this mindset and this ability to want to do better? How did you not fall in the path that was provided for you that so many of us do, you know, nurture and nature, we, we tend to follow what our parents, our environment did before us. How did you break out of that as a young human? You know, I get asked that question so often and I, I don't know specifically the best answer I can give you know, I always said I felt like I had something like a special chip that was put inside of me, if you will, that just said, you're just going to go through things that maybe other people won't. And it's yeah. meant you're meant to be a catalyst for others to realize they, too, can overcome, I guess. But the biggest thing for me, which I, I did mention a little bit before, was I really I made myself a promise and a promise that I still haven't broken to this day that I would be everything my parents were not. That was really important to me because I grew up seeing the abuse and I grew up seeing, you know, I remember we were renting a house for my grandmother growing up and we paid $50 a month rent and my dad wouldn't pay it. I mean, $50, you know, and so, or I'd have money saved up for school pictures or my yearbook and my dad would go spend it on something else. So I wouldn't get a yearbook, you know? And so I just saw the carelessness financially but also the carelessness with, you know, the abuse and my mom being addicted to drugs. I mean, my mom is still on crack to this day. I have two mentally disabled brothers because she did drugs while she was pregnant. And um, again, it was just, you know, I made myself that promise. And and, and I do want to say this. It hasn't been rainbows and roses because from, from 13 to 15, I had to do a lot of work. Uh, When I say work, I mean, counseling and, you know, um, you know, all the things, journaling and all of that. But prior to 13, I was anorexic. I was suicidal. Uh, I hated the person I saw in the mirror. I thought I was disgusting. Kind of what led to my emancipation was I was being sexually abused by my stepfather who has since gone to prison for molesting me and my sister, but um, denied the sexual allegations, you know, that I had told my mother about and my mother had a yard sale and sold all my stuff in front of me and kicked me out of the house. And, you know, those are some really traumatic things. And and I just said, you know, I'm not a mom. I don't have my own children. I've got two fur babies and I have raised my siblings. I took them out of foster care and raised them as my own children. And I just said, I want to be the opposite, literally the exact opposite. You know, I want to own a home and I want to pay my bills and I don't want to do drugs and I don't want to be pregnant young. And so I think that's really the biggest thing for me on why I wanted to take that path instead of another, because the high school I went to, Kearns High, was a very, not the best school in the sense that there was a lot of gang activity, there were a lot of kids out smoking and smoking like cigarettes and weed and all that, Um, there was just a lot of negative influence that I could have very easily fallen into. But I chose instead to be a straight A student, went to school on a full ride scholarship. You know, I didn't have somebody say, hey, kid, get out of bed, go do your homework. You know, there was an article written about me in our local paper here, the Salt Lake Tribune. And one of the things they mentioned was that I attended my own parent teacher conferences. 
And the teachers were like, are you kidding me? Kids are trying to get their parents not to go to parent teacher conference, right? They're like hiding the notice, like, nope, there's no parent teacher conference. And I was there sitting in front of my teacher saying, so how am I doing? How can I improve? And I think it was just, I wanted to defy the odds, but also be the opposite, as I mentioned, not a high school dropout like my parents and all of that. I mean, that's the best answer I can give you because I've been asked that a lot and I've done a lot of thinking about it. And that's the best uh, you know, answer I can say for why I ended up the way I did. I mean, that's, that's amazing. And I, I don't, I don't know how it sounds, but I, I, I have deep empathy and I, I just have to say, I'm truly sorry you had to go through any of those things. And I, I don't even, that's probably the wrong thing to say. And I've done a ton of work myself and I've never experienced anything close to that. Um, but that resiliency. And, and when you say there is something in me forever that just, like a chip, like I, that I really identify with that. And and for some reason that just really resonates because I've chosen a really random path in life, different than my family, different than we're all kind of like wild animals and entrepreneurs and whatever. Um, but there's just always this something within, are you religious or spiritual at all? Is there, is there some sort of grounding base from that that kind of helps keep you in line? So living in Utah, I think by default, you're always going to some at some point be a Mormon, but uh, (laughs) I'm not a Mormon now. Um, I am just the last five years. I have become a very spiritual person in the sense that I believe in meditation and manifestation. And um, I believe there's a universal something out there that uh, holds us accountable. And so I guess an answer to your question, who I am today is I'm a very spiritual person, um, but I grew up with a Christian uh, base for religion. Okay. I think we, we didn't really grow up very religious at all. I, I, I'm with you. I'm much more into spirituality now, but I'm here for whatever resonates with you on my podcast. I always say God, universe, and Madonna. I'm a huge Madonna fan. Um, <laughs> that, that keeps you in line, like that, whatever it is, I always think that grounding base is, is really critical, but to have that skill set or that mindset at such a young age is remarkable. Uh, I do see, you, you know, I've worked a lot with like charities and even situations where it's families have like really, really, um, sick kids or they're in a really challenging situation, that baseline that keeps their feet to the ground where all this other frivolous stuff that people get lost in and money or material things or whatever. And, you know, rich kids have a Coke problem, blah, 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 because there's just, there's nothing to worry about or whatever. I, I, I think like the, the through line is that there is a lot of things are relative. It's not one thing, it's another, there's problems. So I'm careful to say that some adverse situations early on in life are are a blessing, but I do think certain things, if you can unpack it the right way or or find a resiliency or some way to keep your feet truly on the ground and keep you focused on what you really want in some way are a blessing. And it can keep that, you know, that eye on the prize as a young human. And you learn so many lessons so early that, man, it provides you, you're, you're miles ahead in, in this world. Do you reflect upon any of these experiences while tragic and, and truly horrific? Um, I don't want to say a blessing, but at some point a, a, as an advantage almost to get you to the evolved space that you are today. I'm so glad you asked that. And I love the way you put that as being a blessing because, you know, you did say, you know, I'm sorry you have gone through that and that's so terrible. And I've had a lot of people tell me that. And my response to that statement is, I'm not sorry about it. And here's why. If I hadn't have gone through all of those things I went through, as you mentioned, I wouldn't have evolved into the person I am today. You know, I might have been a spoiled brat living up in a nice house on the hill, right? And uh, only cared about materialistic things. And, you know, I'm 38. And it's weird to say that because I feel like I'm so much older 
because I had to grow up so quick. Right. And so, you know, I say I'm 38 and I'm like, wow, I'm only 38. Sometimes I feel like I'm like 58, you know, from, from all of the experiences I've been through. And I know I have so much, so much more to learn. I actually have a saying here on my wall that says I've learned that I still have a lot to learn because Mm -hmm. every day is a learning experience. And, and the other thing is every day is a beautiful opportunity to turn your life around physically, spiritually, emotionally, whatever the case may be. And so in answer to your question, I do feel very blessed. I feel extremely blessed. I feel that, you know, creator or universe or whatever people believe in um, said, you know what, you're going to go through this shit, but it's only because I know you can handle it. You know, they say Mm -hmm. God only gives you what you can handle. And, And I believe in that. I believe when I'm going through it, maybe it's not a statement I believe in, right? Because it's so difficult going through it. But when you get through it, you're like, you know what? I have what it takes to overcome. I went through that. I can definitely get through this, you know? And so, yeah, I do feel very blessed for what I've been through. That's remarkable. And I... I think that is such a message our young humans really need to hear. And, and you know, our 30-year-olds our and 40-year-olds and 50-year-olds that, that need to hear because I, I think it's a new school generation and a newer conversation to talk about trauma, to talk about being vulnerable, to talk about, you know, all the scars that we wear in, you know, 40 plus. I don't think those generations, well, I know they're not talking about it. Hence, you know, Brene Brown's vulnerability was had 10 billion downloads and she oh, thought it was yes. going to be the worst conversation ever, whatever. And she wasn't ready for the YouTube explosion that happened. Um, but these things are new. And I, this is why I have so much faith in our young people and where we're at in 2021, the world's in a crazy place. America's in a crazy place. We have so so many breakdowns and breakthroughs happening. And I think it does come back to personal responsibility and us unpacking our own shit, however in depth it is, or, you know, maybe it's, I didn't get the bike I wanted when I was 12 or whatever. Trauma is, (laughs) is all relative. And I certainly wouldn't compare the two, but when things are happening internally, you really can't compare people's traumas we all just need to have the responsibility to do what we need to do to get to our better selves. So we can be useful in this world. And not everybody wants that. Not everybody gets that, but there is also this intense sense of accomplishment that I think, you know, really catered or coddled kids miss out on when, you know, you don't have to face these adversities and come through it and then look back and be like, wow, I did that. And that deep sense of accomplishment do you feel that or do you feel some sort of like true self-worth to, to look back and be like, look at all that I've done? I do, but I do. I want to be a hundred percent transparent on this. I still have struggles, you know, sure. um, on the last podcast interview we were doing a little bit ago, we talked a lot about people pleasing mm-hmm. and that's something I struggle with. And a lot of that comes from the background that I came from. Right. So I, I find myself trying to people please in my business. I find myself trying to people please with my friends or my romantic relationships. And it, it's a default of where I came from. You know, for an example, my father was very physically abusive to me up until the point of my parents' divorce at seven. I mean, threw me across the room, broke my arm, had a cast on and was told to tell everybody I fell out of an apricot tree. Not that my dad threw me across the room and, and, it was four Christmases ago. I bought my dad a brand new car for Christmas. Wow. And people are like, how in the world, you know, not just that, like I've taken him to see the ocean for the first time. I'm taking him to Hawaii this year, if we're able uh, to see Pearl Harbor for his birthday. And, and people are like, how in the world can you do that? And, and the, you know, they may not get it. They're not in my shoes, but for me, 
I have forgiven. I've forgiven my mother. I've forgiven my father. I've forgiven my stepfather and all the other perpetrators in my life because I feel if you don't forgive, it's like a cancer in your body that you're carrying around, you know, and you don't forgive for them. You forgive for yourself. Sure. And so um, I, I hope that answers your question, but uh, I think it's just really important to forgive and then also realize we're human that, uh, you know, still at 38 years old, I'm dealing with this people pleasing thing. I'm dealing with this still waiting for my dad to say he's proud of me thing. Um, and I second guess myself, you know, I'm not perfect, but it's a work in progress. And I found these modalities like meditation to be huge, to sit with my thoughts mm -hmm. and to sit with what comes, whether it's ugly or it's pretty and deal with it, you know, and journaling. Journaling has been so big for me in my life. I, I probably have 50 plus journals just full um, to get it out and not let it sit and, and, you know, stew in your body, if you will. Yeah. Uh, yes, that does answer the question because I think that a sense of accomplishment is, uh, I, I want to say a shallow way of having that ability to get to a place where you can forgive. And I, I want to unpack that a little bit because that's a deeply, deeply powerful skill set that I think takes time. And I love that you said it's, you still have the struggles. I think, I mean, life is a continuous journey. I think when you conquer one thing, something, some other shit happens. So you're, right. you're, but the thing is, as things happen, you're more and more equipped to process them and move forward and know how to deal with it. So you're prepared as life goes on for, you know, the, the good and bad stuff that that comes along and that journey doesn't really end and yeah. I, I think there's beauty in that when you can reflect and I'm, I'm with you I, I'm I've gotten into as I've gotten older meditation and journaling is still hard for me because I have this mindset of like you never have stuff in writing because once it's in writing someone can find it and uh, <laughs> it's just bad business practice um or on the flip side of business, always get it in writing because then it is there. It's permanent. So there's some weird psychology for me. But I do. I think these, again, these skill sets that we, if we would have had this at 12, that would have been cool. Like, I don't know yeah. that I would have been listening at 12, but it would have been magnificent to be exposed to this conversation where I could at least choose some of these coping mechanisms um, to, to heal and to start that journey at 12 versus 40. Uh, but tell me, let's talk about forgiveness because I've watched, I like not the most forgiveness or the most forgiveness, that's true, Freudian slip. Uh, I'm not the most uh, <laughs> religious human, but I do think there's power. I've watched sermons around forgiveness and I, I think there's power within it and, and that spoken word, but it's still, it's hard for me to let go of some things. I will forgive, but I'm someone that never forgets certain things. Uh, tell me a little bit how you've gotten to this point where you can, because I do think it's a gift for yourself to let go of something and truly forgive because we are the ones carrying that and that will manifest into anger, which impacts your liver. It can show up medically. Like it, it really surrounds your life and, and it, it does impact you as a human. How did you get to the space now where you can truly say, not just say, I forgive you, but genuinely, tangibly and intangibly forgive somebody? Man, what an important question. I got to think about that. I mean, it, it's interesting you say that because for an example, I don't have a relationship with my mother at all. She lives somewhere back East. I say somewhere back East because literally she's bouncing from place to place, man to man, you know, unfortunately that's her life and that's what she chooses. But, um, my aunt died of COVID earlier this year and I was sitting at her funeral and my mother calls and the, and I didn't know it was her, but I kept getting this call from South Carolina. And so I finally, you know, get a voicemail. It's her. She's stranded on the side of the road as she, she puts it and needs me to like Western union her some money. 
well, I've played this game. I've done this song and dance before, you know, she's told me she needs money for this or that. And I've sent it and then find out she uses it for her drugs. Yeah. So, but there's still something about my mother that when she talks to me, there's my inner child that still has a little tinge of sorrow and sadness and weakness for her. And my dad was at this funeral. It was his sister that died. And uh, my dad could just tell I went, I was already sad, you know, but he could tell something just really had shook me. Mm-hmm. And after I'd hung up the phone and, you know, long story short, when I had talked to her, I, I've always been very sweet and kind. And, and I finally just kind of let her have it. I said, you know, you did this to me and this to me and that, and you are, you have the audacity to call me right now and ask me for money. And I said some choice words and I hung up on her. And then that's when my dad saw me. And I said, that was mom. She was calling and asking for money. And he's like, I don't understand why you let her get to you like that. So even though I have forgiven her Mm -hmm. and I have moved past what I thought, all the things she's done, obviously there was something inside that she's still, mm, you know, she's still dug in somewhere. So I would say in answer to your question, forgiveness is an ongoing process. It's not a moment of, I forgive you. I release this. It's never going to come up in my life again, because you, as I, I, as I just mentioned just earlier this year, it hit me again, you know, but I woke up that next morning And I wish I could describe the feeling. I guess the best words I could put to it is relief. Yeah. And um, yeah, relief is probably the best word. I'll just put the one word there, relief. And relief in the fact that I finally let out what I've always wanted to tell her. Even though it was choice words and it wasn't nice and it wasn't pretty. But it was kind of like my inner child was like, finally, you, you said what you needed to say. And, um, and I, I do forgive her, but I think in some ways I have, I still have some resentment in the fact that I didn't have a mother to provide nurture and to, you know, do all the things that a mother does. And so it's an ongoing process. That's the best answer I can give is to find your way to forgiveness. Yes, you forgive, you put it out there, but realize it might come up again and you've got to continue to heal it. Yeah. Very well said. Um, yeah, that resonates deeply. And I, I, did you feel good? Um, when you finally, hence your podcast spoke loud, used your voice and said what you had to say, like, did that feel, cause I know it's our parents. We're not supposed to get mad and da, 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 or whatever. like there's a supposed to conversation, but did that in a moment just feel good to say what you've always wanted to say? Yeah. In a sense, I feel like if there was a book, I closed the book. The last chapter of the book was closed. And, you know, I really do dread a call that my mom's going to be dead one day. You know, I honestly thought she would have been dead a while ago. And I hate to say that. That sounds so terrible. She's only she's 17 years older than me. So what? she's 56. I don't know. My numbers aren't the best, but she's young. Yeah. And um I always am dreading a phone call saying she's gone. And so I really feel liberated in the fact that I got that off my chest again, as ugly as it was, Mm -hmm. because then I don't have to look back on my life or her life when she passes with me never being able to tell her how I really feel, even though it wasn't pretty. Yeah. Why we're talking and that that really hits close home 
hits home uh, for me because it's close to home. I don't know. One of those, uh, the math How and tequila. Have you yeah, had, no. say, math, not enough. That's the problem. Math and metaphors is too early for both of those. Um, but it's, it, it, it really hits home because, uh, I, I too am a people pleaser and it's something I continue and I'm very much like, ah, I don't care. And we, we do what we want. And that is true. Tumor and both sides. And I am the oldest of four. I take leadership very seriously. And I am, I do want to do the right thing, even though it's my way, it's, you know, subscribing to what we're supposed to do. These realities that we're, we're taught when we're very young, uh, and, and really this year I've, I've, I've learned to use my voice and address and we're taught to like, well, what if it's the last time you see them? And what if this, like, just do the right thing, do what you should do. And I, my number one core value in unpacking some of my own shit is, is honesty and transparency. And even if it's bad and it's ugly and it's hard, I work way better. It has to be honest with me. And otherwise when it feels not truthful, I don't operate well. Like I will physically be uncomfortable and it's, it just doesn't work for me. And I've seen in some friendships and I've competed forever in athletics and seen some like coaching situations where I'm like, this is bullshit. This isn't the truth. This is. And finally in this past year, I've had those conversations and I'm like, this might be the last time I ever see you and this and that, but I have to tell you the past was bullshit and I've let it go and I forgive you. And this is not okay. And I want you to know that I know, and I've seen all of these things and in my, I struggled. It was a struggle for me because I'm thinking like, just let it go. If you never see him again, is this really how you wanted to let it be and blah, blah, blah. And it's, and then the real side of me is like, yes, I know this is not how society wants me to deal with this, but I need you to know my truth and how I feel. And I'm not carrying it. It's done, but here's my truth. And you don't just get to get away with it. And I think even that sounds like, hateful or you want revenge or how, whatever. But when I have used my voice, even though that's a hard new thing for me, even being on the mic and being a podcaster, all the ironies, it, the relief, the way I feel like, oh, I, I just lost 20 pounds telling you that you are the way you actually are. This is the truth and it's all good. And moving forward, this will not be my truth with you. And we will not continue in this way. If it can be different, great. If not, it's all good. Like peace out. Um, so I think that's, that's good to hear. And I think our young people need to hear that that's okay more because I think we end up carrying shit because we think we're supposed to, even if it's something small and using your voice and speaking loud and saying what it is, I think is very, very critical. Yes. I love the way you put that. It, it's so true is, you know, people are so afraid to have a voice or say something, you know, right. What was it? Two, three years ago, maybe a little bit longer. We had the me too movement, yeah. right. Where people were coming out and saying, this happened to me. And then all these other people started coming out of the woodwork saying, well, if she or he was strong enough to have a voice and say something. Okay. Now I feel maybe more credibility. Maybe that's not the right word, but credibility to come out and, uh, you know, say what happened to me. Now I feel more believable if you yeah. will. Yeah. So, yeah, I love that. That's an important point. I think people also spin it in their mind as a coping mechanism or just, you know, our, our environment telling we should be a certain way that their trauma isn't traumatic enough. I mean, obviously you're discussing these are deep, deep, deep traumas that no one should ever have to experience. Uh, but it could be someone that's getting made fun of on the bus or again, your best friend that's cheating on their boyfriend and you know, it, but you can't say anything or these little right. things where that can be traumatic to you. And I always encourage anyone, I would say our young people, but anyone alike, if it feels traumatic to you, that is something you need to address and unload. It doesn't matter if somebody stole your pencil or it was sexual abuse. There is, of course, at the spectrum in that conversation. However, it's traumatic to you, you are carrying that and that will snowball into other things. And I, I think if you don't start to address the small things now, you don't know how to address the big things when they happen. Um, 
Yes. And, and that's really hard. How did you, and I, I think as an athlete, when you want to get better at a sport, you go to mm-hmm. a coach, you go to somebody that knows more than you and you learn how to deal with it. How did you know how to seek out like therapy or some of these, um, modalities to help you heal, which in anything I've ever spent on myself outside of sports, even like mentality and life coaches, the best money I've ever spent in my life. I wish I would have done it sooner, uh, but there's still stigma around all this. How did you get into these healing therapies, modalities? And when did that start? So as far as the spirituality side of things, it was about five years ago. I started with something called Reiki. Oh yeah. And just, just to be clear, I was that person five years ago that thought all of that was so esoteric and woo woo and bullshit. And, <laughs> and actually how it happened was, uh, my dog, Max, you heard barking earlier. He, you know how people have support animals. I am his support human, literally. Like mm. he has to be with me all the time. He's so cute. Yeah. He's the first dog I've ever owned. He's almost 13, but he is a, a Chihuahua Pomeranian mix and Chihuahuas tend to have, uh, bad backs. Okay. And uh, he was having a back issue. I didn't know it was his back at the time. And my neighbor said, well, why don't you call Patty the pet psychic? And I said, Patty, the what psychic? <laughs> I love she, all this. Yes. <laughs> yeah. She was like, call Patty the pet psychic. So she gives me this lady's card and I'm like, this is such bullshit. I'm going to call a pet psychic. Like what have I amounted to in my life? And um, called this Patty lady. She sat with my dog for two hours and to paint a picture, it went from him laying in his bed, shaking uncontrollably for days, pissing on himself, um, Mm -hmm. yiping if you came anywhere near, to she spent two hours with him. He was sleeping, snoring, calm. And she said, he's afraid that if you pick him up, he's going to have pain and he has some pain in his back. Like, I didn't even know what the issue was. I was like, is it his bladder? Is he dying? Is he have cancer? What is it? And, um, to see the transformation in my dog with this pet psychic, I was like, okay, maybe I do believe in this woo woo stuff. Well, I had a lot of uh, anger. I was carrying with the financial issue of a gentleman. I shouldn't even, he doesn't even deserve to be called a gentleman, a man who ripped me off for $70,000. And I was $70,000 is a lot of money, right? Yes. And I was so angry. I had to tell every single person that this happened to me and I couldn't let it go. And somebody said, well, have you tried Reiki? And I'm like, Reiki? Is that the guy that's on Lion King? They're like, no, that's Rafiki. Um, <laughs> but call, yeah. but um, anyhow, so she turned me on to this uh, Reiki. And it's just like an energy healing session where you lay down. They put their hands over you, but not touching you. And they, they start to clear energy that you're carrying. That's kind of the best way I can put it. Um, probably not the, the most accurate way to describe it. But I walked out of this session. The grass was greener the birds singing were so much more beautiful. And I had such a different outlook so much so that I was going once a week for almost a year, clearing some energy off of me, you know, and and we're like an onion, right? We have so many layers to us. And then she kept peeling it back and peeling it back. And, and I would have nightmares of ugly things. And she's like, that's normal that we have to peel back that layer. And, and so that led to my journey of getting into crystals and the power of crystals and meditation and all of that stuff. So um, now I'm a very esoteric person and I'm proud of it. I'm actually thinking of starting another podcast on that subject. So yes. Okay. Um, I love it. On Spotify, there's this, they're getting way businessy uh, as far as, but they do a daily podcast on like your sign. So I, I'm a Libra. I listen to the Libra one every day, but awesome. I'm here for all the woo, the witchcraft, the you know <laughs> spirituality, the mala beads, energy. I love all of it. And here's the thing, yeah. if you're not into that, 
energy, I mean, the scientific side is physics. Physics is energy. Everything is energy. Like you can break it down to a scientific side. And then once you have one experience, it will shift everything. But I do, I mean, when you get around somebody that has good energy, you're like, oh my God, I love that person. Or you get around somebody that has like what feels like a dark cloud and you like, you're naturally repelled. Right. You, you feel it. And like your, your, your gut, if you will, will tell you what to do and what, what not to do. Um, and I, I have three rescue dogs. I believe dogs, animals save humans all the time. And I think that <laughs> happens serendipitously. So my first one, Cleo, they're each special, but Cleo was, it was just her and I for like six years and I got two more, but her journey and the way we are similar in personality. I know this sounds crazy. It's they come right on time. So I'm for anyone that has a dog and it, it, it saved your life or impacted your world in such a profound way. I think they are, you know, God, Madonna universe, little gifts <laughs> to us to, to guide us in the right way. Um, yes. but leaning into that, um, right step and that healing and then like unloading things I think is so critical. Have you, uh, obviously it sounds like you've kept it into your life, uh, kept it, you know, a part of your life into now, have you shifted into like deeper modalities? Have you gone into like therapy therapies or uh, brain mapping or, I mean, how deep have you gone into some of these modalities? So I'm actually, have you heard of somatic healing? I don't think so. No. So I'm actually doing a session tomorrow for the first time. I'm having a somatic healer come onto my podcast and he says, well, why don't I do a couple sessions with you first so we can talk about what your experience was? And, and, uh, so I don't know the ins and outs of it, but I've tried like the EMDR. Yes. Um, yeah. I've done past life regressions, you know, so I, I am getting more into it. I, I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about this on your podcast, but I have been called recently in the last two years to ayahuasca. Oh, okay. I, I really, I haven't done it. Uh, I've done a ton of research on it. I have a lot of people in my circle that have used it. Um, it's a plant-based medicine and, uh, you know, we can't do it here in the United States. I'd have to go to like Costa Rica or Peru or something with a shaman. Yeah. But, uh, I go see a native American shaman twice a month. So, um, okay. I, I am getting deeper into it. I definitely am. And I'm loving it. So Yes. I, well, I think that just, I mean, from we've known each other for 10 minutes now, so we're already like Instagram friends, <laughs> Instagram from level. Um, but we, you know, w when you had that little calling, when you were 15 or like something's different, some there's something within, it does not surprise me now, you know, X amount of years later that this, this calling, this pull is still alive and well and thriving. And it's, it's leading you to your authentic self, your ultimate journey, however we package this. Um, but it's a really deep pull. I, I've had a ton of friends do ayahuasca, do it multiple times. Chelsea Handler does a special on it. If you haven't yeah, seen it. Yeah. I seen it. Yeah. It's, I don't know if that's the best version of what yeah, it is or it's, why yeah. <laughs> it's a little bit aggressive, but if you don't know what it is, it's kind of a good like intro, uh, do your research. If anyone's considering, I'm not condoning, I'm not saying yes or no, you follow your heart. You'd be responsible for yourself. I think if you do your research and you do it right, cause it is a medical situation. Um, and you're called to it. I, I do think the enlightenment can be deeply profound. It's a, might be something I was actually going to do it and I'll be transparent. And for some reason it didn't work out. It was scheduling. I was flying to something and I'm like, mm, universe speaks. It wasn't meant to be. And then it just kind of faded out of my mind. Um, but I've always been very apparent to things and signs and pictures will fall off the wall. I think I have energies and spirits in my house and, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> there's a whole thing that's a whole podcast in itself, but, um, I think that's great. I'm really curious. I will definitely tune into these and I'm, I'm excited to see where you go next. I, I want to keep talking to you. We of course have five minutes and there's a multitude of things that are going on. Um, but really quickly, tell us about where we find you, where your podcast, uh, how you're accessible, the whole 411. Yeah, thank you for that. So uh, Speak Loud Podcast is my podcast. You can find it on Spotify, 
Apple Podcasts, you know, all those good places that you listen to podcasts. I also have a landing page for it if you just want to tune in in one place, which is speakloudpodcast.com. My nonprofit website is sharethemovement.org. And if you want to find me on Instagram, I am at Lady Airbnb because that's my day job. I do real estate. I also have a at Speak Loud podcast for the podcast. And on Facebook, just look me up under Tiffany Barnes. I love it. Tiffany, you are probably one of the more resilient humans I think I've ever met. So I'm very blessed to have crossed paths with you. I love the energy. I love the mission. And uh, I feel so deeply optimistic for humanity when I get across paths with people like you, because you're truly making a difference in this world. And it's, it's, it's meaningful. It's, it's a game changer. So God bless you. Thank you so much for having me. Let's keep in touch too, please. Yes. I feel like this was meant to be. So thank you. Seriously. (laughs) Seriously. I'll tune in. I can't wait to hear more about what did you say? Shamatic healing. Somatic. Somatic. S-O-M-A-T-I-C. Yes. Somatic. I think I have shaman in the head. So we just blended that as a branding (laughs) human. Um, Somatic. I'm very curious, but uh, that sounds amazing. I'll fill you in. Cool. All right, girl. We'll catch up. Thank you so much. Sounds good. Have a good day. Thank you for joining Turmeric and Tequila with your host, Kristen Olson. Tune in next time and don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen.